0: Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit PerfectOrganism.com slash support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to Subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard. I think we ought to discuss the bonus situation. Right. Brett and right. I, we think we ought to... We deserve full shares, right? right you see, Mr. Park and I feel that the bonus situation is... Move!
1: Good. Get out of there! not you move! <laughs> don't! Move, do Move, Don't! Get out! <laughs> <laughs>
0: In this special episode of Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, I am pleased to be interviewing director Ben Howdershell, the writer and filmmaker behind Alien Harvest, which premieres today via IGN and YouTube. Thank you, Mr. Ben Howdershell, for being on the, the show today. Uh, we are talking about your short film, Alien Harvest, which I was able to see almost two weeks ago at the Fox lot, um, in Hollywood or Los Angeles. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So I want to kind of start with at the beginning when they made the announcement that they were having a, a contest, you have to submit your, uh, your idea and all of that, all of what was going on. Where were you? What was going on? I was prepping
1: for, I mean, I was in Los Angeles and what I was doing work-wise was I was, Prepping for this music video, um, called "With or Without," that starred Mila Jovovich, um, and so we were just deep dive. We were just deep in it, like writing, like coordinating with the label in France, and finding a location. Coordinating, getting because we were like, "Are we going to shoot it in Germany? We're going to shoot it in LA." So it was just a lot of that. And um, I had heard about this thing. And I was like, I was like, "Whoa, this is great!" And so there's two writers that I work with. A guy named Craig, who I'm partners with um, at a company, and then Mike, who I, who um, we have a, Mike, well actually both Craig and I, and Mike and I have feature scripts we're working on. Um, But I asked each of them, I was like, so what do you guys think? Like, these are my ideas, like, where should we go? And uh, so essentially we put together two ideas and, you know, submitted them both. And both of them were pretty big. Um, but they, uh, and they chose the, the one that, uh, Alien Harvest and Alien Harvest came out of just a nugget of an idea, which was like, have it be about a synthetic, a female synthetic who's stranded on this, who's stranded on this ship. Um, and it kind of morphed into what, you know, what you saw through notes and through ideas and through what works and what doesn't.
0: So you submit your... You submit your ideas. They choose one. Of course, I know it took them a few days. I was kind of following along with the process. It took them, I think, a week, wasn't it? No, it was three days after you submit. They made a a decision. So when you found out that you were chosen, like, were you was it over an overwhelming thing or, you know, have you, were you just kind of already in the mindset? Like, okay, if they choose us, like we're already working, we are kind of know what we're going to do. Or was this going to be, were you totally blind with this? I mean, obviously you come from a film background and um, we can get into that in a little bit. Um, but like what's, what's going through your head at the time?
1: I was so busy on this other project that I was just like, all right, this is awesome. And I love going yeah. from one thing to the next. Yeah. And I love having a lot on my plate. Cause there's a lot, it, it lets you, it's great to be creative in multiple projects. So it was, I mean, it was, a, the summer was great. It was very busy, very stressful, but you know, very creative. Cause we were like creating both and they were, they both just happened to be horror. Granted the thing with Mila was a, uh, you know, home invasion horror. And then this was sci-fi horror. Um, but they were both like right in the same wheelhouse and we were working on like, what's really scary. How do we scare people? And uh, you know, setting up very scary situations. And uh, so it was, I mean, it was honestly, it was honestly great. And Tongle was fantastic. Like, uh, there, the, our, our guy that we worked with, almost all the way through the, uh, process was a guy named Quade, and you know, he was very straightforward, very clear cut. He put everything in writing. He was always available to talk. You know, I mean, I gotta say, super patient because I don't know what the other filmmakers are like as far as, you know, people who are hands on, but I definitely um called and emailed him a lot
0: <laughs> after you're after you get you find out that you've essentially won you're one you're gonna be one of the filmmakers what's the next step uh does tongo or fox reach out to you like so that was last summer you find out you win you're gonna be one of the filmmakers what what happens after that
1: well so it was a two-step process first there was first there was they chose 18 people um and they gave us all a little money to put together a proper pitch. And that pitch included a full script, um, a lookbook, and a mood book, mood boards, and then a pitch video. And so it was, I think, uh, we had to do it in about four days just because of our schedules. And so it was very, uh, it was, you know, Craig and I worked on the script a lot. Craig is a very good writer. He's uh, He went to Cornell. He's You know, I mean, I've read lots of his scripts and I'm just, uh, I gotta say I'm a huge fan of his work. Um, and it just comes out really nicely. And a lot of our stuff that Craig and I work on together comes out very action oriented. So we kept getting notes that were like, well, alien is more horror tension. And so at one point we just went through the script I shouldn't say, we just went through the script and changed the adjectives so that it felt more horror tension versus more action and tension, I guess. Um, and then I think the hardest part of the pitch process was the pitch video because I had to look right at a camera and talk. And I enjoy public speaking, but if I know something can be edited or if I know something can be turned off, I tend to panic. I don't know. It was very. It was a very embarrassing video. I'm sure <laughs> it'll I, – because I, I mean the first – I thought I was just going to talk and pitch the idea, and then I realized very quickly that I, I couldn't just do that. So I wrote – it all out. Craig and I, Craig was directing me. So I wrote it all out on a computer. I put the computer monitor right, sorry, my laptop monitor right under the camera. And then I just read it. But the problem was the way that we had the frame lined up, my hand was on a mouse and I was scrolling the whole time. So I showed it to my wife and she's like, what the hell are you doing with your hand? I was like, I'm running the teleprompter. And she's like, you got to fix that. And so we zoomed in, cut my hand out there so that I was just but it was very – I'm not a – I'm very specifically a behind-camera person. I'm not yeah, a yeah. – <laughs> in front of camera person. Yeah. But it was fine because uh, as a, I just essentially made a radio edit of it, so it sounded good. Uh, so the, the audio sounded good. And then I put – every time there was a picture cut, I put um, video of previous projects that I've done, which was – I used a lot of stuff from Project Sarah, which was a – short film that I did that IGN and Fox bought, they turned it into a web series. So I had a ton of like female driven action horror zombie stuff to pull from um, that I could just, you know, that was all nice. Cause I obviously what you wanted to do for these pitches is show your stuff and not show someone else's stuff. Um, and so
0: once I did that, I think
1: we had to wait a week and then we got it. It was, it, it happened relatively quickly.
0: Wow, that's great. For the, I mean, for the record, you work in the in the business, so and I know you've worked, um, of course, behind the scenes doing many projects. I know you you also worked on Resident Evil, one of the one of the last Resident Evils. It was the last one, correct?
1: No. So one of my best friends cut the last one. Okay. I worked on Resident Evil three and four, which is Resident Evil, um, Apocalypse, and then. Oh, my God, I can't remember what 4 was called. But 4 was the first one shot in 3D. <laughs> okay. So we that was actually shot with the Cameron Pace cameras. And then we were the first actual editorial team to cut in 3D. So there had been 3D movies before us, but we had our Avid set up so that we could just – I mean our editor, his name was Niven. Niven was an animal and he would work for hours with his 3D glasses on, but I couldn't do that, so I would always – opt for the 2d version but we were the first team that like literally cut in 3d and we had a little a cute little uh, article in the editors guild about us um but yeah was so and that was the last yeah that was the last resident evil i worked on and then niven went on to do resident evil 5 i went to russia to do a movie called the darkest hour where i met like my dp my visual effects team i met a whole bunch of crew because they sent forty Americans over there, and we all stayed in a hotel together. We became, well, became great friends, and that's how that those relationships is how I got my first short film off the ground.
0: Oh wow, that's fantastic! So as we move on in the process, you're we're working on it. You have to submit a first, essentially the first draft of your script for Harvest to Tongle. Is or is Tongle the one do, who's kind of? I wouldn't. I don't want to use the word control, but are they the one sort of in charge, or is Fox? as present um, on this journey as Tongle is? Well,
1: uh, so Tongle was coordinating with Fox. Okay. So we were dealing very much with Tongle, um, you know, and there, and like I said, Quaid was great. And he was very good at like getting information out, getting it out quickly and letting us know if there were delays or anything like that. Um, so it was like, it just, we felt taken care of. He was, it was just very, very organized, which, you know, thank God it was cause you know, it was a, it was a pretty, it was a pretty quick sk- schedule, I think, for such a big IP. Oh, yeah.
0: oh yeah, totally. I remember re- looking sort of at what what the the timeline was, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is this is quick." I mean, for some people, they might think, "Oh, it's six minutes," but with the type of films that you guys were making, um, they look very authentically in universe. They look like they were shot by certainly yours look like it was shot by Ridley Scott. I mean, these to have that <laughs> to have that. Um, type of production value in that short of time you'll oftentimes people work on short films for a year you know um, yes it's, it's a long process so to do what you guys did in that span of time is pretty amazing uh, and it's also amazing that they're so so good not to, not that i would think uh, that i would expect them not to be good but it's because of the turnaround it's it's a surprise i think i don't know if it was surprise a surprise to you
1: well listen uh, the alien franchise opened up a lot of doors and a lot of people wanted to work on it. And when, when it was clear that this was a 20th century Fox approved and produced and financed alien project versus like a fan film, like these are, this is all part of the alien canon now. And so that, that opens up a lot of favors and a lot of people want to work on it. And it was, I mean, it's a, it's an incredible franchise with like such a rich history,
0: totally. So, uh, here's a sort of a, a random question. what was was there anything for you that was daunting uh, aside from the logistics of it and the turnaround and some things that we were discussing? what was your most challenging aspect of working on this?
1: Each step of the way had hurdles, but nothing was I wouldn't say anything was daunting. The scariest part of it all was when we accidentally broke, the Xenomorph costume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we had to reshape our second day, which was our last day based on the safety of Alex Ward to get in the costume. And the thing stunk so bad of spray paint and paint and glue that even just being in the room with it without Alex having it on his head was like problematic. So, you know, trying to make our day and (laughs) that being our last day, um, <clears throat> that was probably the most daunting. But uh, Alyssa Morgan, who's like a, uh, I've I've used her, I've used her every single time that I could. She's been unavailable for projects, but she's my go-to person for makeup and hair, and she's also happens to be like this incredible um, makeup artist for us, uh, prosthetics and gore and creatures, and so. She was able to just, she grabbed it and disappeared and we just kept working and she'd stick her head in with updates. She's like, you know, and I went back and I was like, oh my god, she, at one point, about an hour later, I went back to the back room and it it looked perfect and we were just in a waiting period for it to dry. Like it was, I mean, thank God for Alyssa. I mean, yeah. elicited elicited so much for this production. She introduced me to Jessica Clark, who played Hannah. She introduced me to agnes albright who plays the synthetic her name is mari she um did all she introduced me to david tabbert who does who did all the costumes i thought he did a great job he made the patches he chose the you know the olive color uh he flew out from new york to do this she helped with like you know hair makeup extra people on the there i can't and then I mean, she did, like, the burn on Alex's face. She did the, uh, you know, all that scarring after he was cut. I'm trying to, I mean, she was – and then she kind of acted as our alien expert because – so I hadn't seen the alien films like Aliens, Aliens and Alien 3 and the a Rider one. And Rebirth, I'd seen Covenant see – yep. yeah, I remember, so I, I'd seen Covenant and – uh prometheus recently but i hadn't seen you know two three four i guess technically but i only wanted to watch alien because i didn't want to get the others in my head because it was we were very specifically doing something from that world um and i didn't you know they were very specific no military no guns so i was like staying away from alien aliens altogether um so it uh, but Alyssa was probably similar to you. She was like our alien expert. And so we would hit her up for questions of, is this authentic? Has this ever happened? Would this work? So she was, I mean, she was absolutely integral in, in that production. And Thank God she was available is all I have to
0: say. That's yeah, I I can imagine. Uh, I don't know. Again, as we were talking sort of off the record or uh, apart from this conversation we're having now uh really just the work that it goes that goes into these films not just the film that you did but just films in general in terms of the people behind the camera who who are working tirelessly to get what we're seeing on film maybe for a split second maybe for five minutes it's incredible amount of work the the behind the scenes um journey in film has always been very exciting to me i mean i've of course been a, a film lover all of my life but i remember even as a kid like i would see a hour-long documentary about star wars and i just would be like oh my god i can't do anything else like it would it, it would excite me more than um the film itself in a way because it's it's really the magic making process and right really the is. process of filmmaking yeah. is amazing like yeah.
1: the amount of people i mean i so i i uh I go to a couple websites every day just to see, cause they're, uh, I guess they're curators of things and they've got similar tastes to me. And so I saw this whole thing about the sound of star Wars. And so I was, it was like an hour of this guy talking about the this, this sound designer for star Wars.
0: Yeah. Talking ben, about what's his name. Yes. Ben, I can't remember his last name. I right should now.
1: pull the video up, but yeah. I, it was like, I, I just was like, Oh my God, just talking about, and I knew, I kind of knew about how the lightsaber came about, but like, just Darth Vader and what how it started and how it ended up um it's just like it's fascinating to me just the process of it all
0: totally uh I yeah I I like I mean I'm as a as a big movie fan i I know that that same sound designer from Star Wars uh created a sound for Star Wars that they never used but it ended up being the sound of Deckard's apartment in the first Blade Runner film um, oh wow yeah Ben so. Burt Ben I Burt. yes. yes. Um, he's, a he's a wizard as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he's been able to, um, create and also, uh, in terms of editing and certainly I would imagine editing your film, editing harvest. Yes, there's the visual component, which is, you know, 85% of what you're doing, but you're also building an audio World as well, um, and that can be really fun. And uh, because you're layering things, you're kind of you're trying to create a, a soundscape that brings people in as well as the visuals, so they kind of have to work together. It's a very interesting process,
1: right? Well, listen, my editor, the editor on this was a guy named Jake Shaver, who's who I've worked with before. We did um, the the Mila Jovovich video together, which was mainly music, but it had some incredible sound. I should send it to you. It had some incredible sound moments in it. Um, but Jake just, I mean, he, we kind of had it assembled in the, like a place so that it, we could just hand it off to him. Um, Craig, uh, did an early assembly who wrote it and then we passed it off to Jake to just take it all the way home. And it was, I mean, he's, uh, <laughs> I just gotta say like our rough cuts were incredible. Wow. that's great. Like I was just so like, there was so much fun to listen to and so much fun to watch and I think we had three cuts. There was our director's cut studio. Now, sorry, the studio cut one and studio cut two. And I think the long version of studio cut one, I really, really liked. Um, but it was just too long for, uh, you know, for a short film and for a YouTube or IGN type audience.
0: What uh, was the maximum length that you could go? Well, I think we it was supposed to be like eight to 10
1: minutes. So I don't remember what the brief said, but, at one point, uh, you know, Quaid was saying that we could go over or that we could go under. Like it became became very kind of like they just wanted something good. You know, I I don't think there was a maximum. I think there was a I think they based our maximum length on what felt right. And definitely for mine, there was a lot of the last pass. There was a lot of work done to like really really make it fun and interesting versus like trying to stretch it out and say. i've got a 12 minute short film it was more like this thing's got to be fun and it's got to be a ride um and we got to get to that first death as quickly as possible because that was like the money to me that was like it was just a lot of fun like that whole scene the 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 i'm jumping ahead now talking about the short but and i assume this is all spoilers which is fine (laughs) well
0: technically uh, which i can just say this is this is released the same day of your film so oh, okay. we hope everyone listening has has, has seen it. <laughs> well in the original
1: draft of the script Sturgis who's the guy who grabs the sensor from Mari is kind of a dick and then goes off and then gets killed by the xenomorph. In the original draft of the script he goes around the corner and then we just hear a scream and we see a little bit of a shadow and that's it. And uh So I actually was concerned that we were going to have a four minute short film. And at one point I even asked Quaid, I was like, I think we're looking at a four to six minute short film here. He's like, well, as long as it's good. So it's it's kind of funny. But once we got the, the Xenomorph costume, I was like, Oh my God, we need to use this thing more. Um, and so we, I think we saw the costume a week before we were shooting. Um, Noah, uh, who directed Alien Alone, picked it up from Quaid. And then, since we were using it first, I picked it up from him. And I was just like, oh my God, this thing is awesome. And then, Alyssa, oh yeah, Alyssa also found my makeup artist, Alyssa also found the guy who was inside of the xenomorph costume, a guy who's six foot four and 150 pounds. Um, his name's Alex. Um, and so once I saw what it looked like on him and what the thing looked like, I was like, all right, we got to shoot this. And so we, we redid our day and redid that scene and Sturgis just coming around and being alone in that room with the hanging wires that was red with the backlighting was all last minute written. Wow. Um, cause we're like, we got to shoot this thing and everyone's going to want to see this thing. I mean, look, I, I get that. I get that there's like a, there's the right amount to show. And there's the right amount to hide, but everyone knows what it looks like and everyone wants to see it. So it was all about getting the balance of really letting them get a good look at it, but not having it on there too much. Cause there were definitely times in the earlier edits where there was a concern that it might look like a guy in a rubber suit. And so there was a lot of care taken to how that was cut. And Jake did some very specific things in the edit to, um, To hide that like very strategic split screens, very strategic strobing, keeping things really dark um, so that you felt like it was there a lot, but you weren't really seeing it clearly. And it was in and amongst a lot of chaos.
0: So I have a favorite moment of your film. Um, I, before I say what it is, you might even know what it is. I don't know, but I'm curious <laughs> if you have a favorite moment, uh, whether it's a character beat or creature moment.
1: I don't know. I mean, there's so many things that I like. I have there's a lot of still pictures that I'm working with just for like Instagram, social media, and my website. Uh-huh. Um, And I obviously love the profile shot of Sturgis staring down the xenomorph as it's opening its mouth and its inner jaws coming towards him. I love his death. I love when Mari looks around the corner, um, like she peeks around a corner very much. It's a horror, it's a very familiar horror thing of like looking around a corner and you just see this head peeking around. I mean, I love, um, I love, there's a, it's funny because Every time, you know, you're driving or you're walking and you see people fighting or you see a car accident, you always crane your neck and watch. Yeah. And so I love hearing people scream. And both Jessica and Adam, I mean, I'm shocked that they didn't lose their voices those days that we, because Adam was screaming his head off <laughs> and Jessica was screaming her head off. It was, and it was amazing. And it's just like, you just want to see that. You want to see this terror that's happening so I don't know. I mean, I really like the... I don't know. There's a lot that I like about it. If I had to pick a favorite one... yeah. I mean, the one that I worked on the longest was the, uh, the jump scare with Alec. Um, the jump scare when um, they come around the corner, Sturgis is already dead, and the xenomorph grabs Alec, who's the guy with the beard, and pulls him out with the sensor. So it's like a throwback to the original with the sensor, and then it's the... It's the xenomorph coming out of nowhere and grabbing him. So it's probably my favorite right there.
0: My favorite moment. Um, I'm trying to. It's funny as you were talking, I was also trying to go through and and just go beat for beat because I, you know, I saw them all and I was like, okay, i try. How do I return? This? <laughs> but my favorite moment is when um, the wife or the girlfriend or whatever she is. Obviously, she's pregnant. Um, things are kind of in peril and she, she kind of drops everything to go and grab the gun or not the gun, but the, uh, ax. Yeah. The ax, the ax in Sorry. the center. Um, and I just thought was, I, when that happened, I just was like, hell yeah. Like it just was completely unexpected. And it was a, certainly a, a, uh, a nice tip of the hat to Ripley. Um, but I also feel like it was this, there's this quality about women that I really feel like Ripley embodies. And it, it, embodied in her in her character that when push comes to shove women are not to be messed with. And, uh, I just, it was just this really surprise moment for me where, you know, again, in films, you know, of course, alien kind of led the way in terms of female action hero, what Ripley became at the end of alien. And then you have, of course, the other films, um, but just becoming the, the hero that they already were. And, uh, they they have a, a source of strength in them. And I don't want to like wax too poetic about it um, because I know it was kind of everything was tense and it was moving quickly, but I just really felt like this it was the right thing for her to do. And she's also sort of in that protective mode. She's protecting her own child. Um, yeah. And I just, I thought it was a really brilliant moment.
1: You know, she, Jessica was awesome. And it's funny because when we were doing costume fittings, she had taken off her, I guess her long, or she had taken off her sweater And she has these gorgeous arms. And I was like, (laughs) at that point, I was like, oh, man, let's wrap this around her. We tried everything we could to show her arms because she has these gorgeous arms. But it just the pregnancy belly, no matter what you did against cotton, didn't work. You could tell. And we're like, damn. So we got to zip her up and keep her covered because she just, like, Jessica's a a gorgeous woman, has these great arms. And and I thought, and even in our, like... uh, pictures of that day i was like i just wish we could have used we could have seen her arms because they're like these great feminine yet strong arms but yeah no we didn't get to use it but yes she that was a that was a great and we actually there was a we had at one point a much longer beat there we had we we had tried because jake is so good with sound design we had tried this moment where we hang on the belly and we bring the whole world down to the sound of the womb like So, so we get inside of Hannah's her, that character's name is Hannah. So we get inside of Hannah's head and we hear the womb and we hear her motivation and she, we see her face. She makes the decision to go and then she just bolts. But the problem was, is that when you hang on a belly like that in an alien film, people think something's going to happen.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: And so it was like, I was like, damn, I was like, so it's like, we got to take all these shortcuts because people understand alien, but then because people understand Ellen, we couldn't do this one character beat because, you know, it was I was trying to do something that um, I was trying to do a throwback to Alejandro Gonzalez Signorito, but it, it didn't work because it was just not the right it was just the wrong franchise to do that kind of beat in. So we we scrubbed it and just made sure that it was very clear that she made this decision to go while well. the tension was building between um the other two characters.
0: Well, it was well played. I mean, maybe you wanted to do it differently, but I felt like it really played itself out really well. And just again, it just spoke to her character and uh, again, a great nod to not just Ripley, but uh, women in roles like that, uh, women who who sort of take charge. Um, And uh, I think this is certainly the time and the place where those characters are sort of coming front and central again. Um, So I, I really appreciated it. I don't well, I've always to... gravitated
1: towards those type of movies anyway. I just, yeah. my, I mean, I love how badass Mila Jovovich is. I love, I love the action stars that Angelina Jolie played. I mean, one of my favorite films a couple years ago was Atomic Blonde, because it was like, it was shot like an art house film, but it was like Charlize Theron doing these incredible choreographed fight scenes. And so uh, I just, and then I, you know, I just, I've always kind of been, and then my, the uh, web, se- uh, the streaming series I did, and the short film that I did over at uh, IGN slash Fox was a female lead, and so I've just always kind of gravitated towards towards very strong female roles in films.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know Ripley, the character of Ripley, really set the precedent. I mean, I would I I I could probably suggest that maybe Carrie Fisher's Leia was really the only female character in space but of course they're vastly different universes one i mean they're both in science fiction one's arguably fantasy um but one is like very serious hard r horror tension you know right um, but i just uh it, and her character came about in a very in a very specific time in uh film history and in in social history as well and uh, I, I just you can't it's I grew up with that. I mean, I had posters of Ripley grown up, um, on my, like above my bed. I mean, I just, I wouldn't say I worshiped her, but I, she really, (laughs) she really like, she's someone who got me through my youth, uh, in in the best of ways. So I, I just, I love that, uh, Fox and, uh, certainly the alien series itself has kept that legacy going. You know, the films might not all be even, you might like another one more than, you know, the sequels or the prequels or whatever, but, uh, they are wholly original and, uh, really they they take up a space in in i would say film history but um i don't know probably even more than that in terms of what those characters were doing for the 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 visibility of women at the time and and now for sure right absolutely Well I don't want to keep you on for much longer um, I, I really appreciate it I, I do have one kind of final technical question which is how much footage did you not end up using um
1: I mean we shot we shot a single camera um we shot an Alexa mini our DP was Chris Saul who's just amazing he owns his own camera has his own anamorphic lenses and Uh, We shot everything on an easy rig so that um, we could move quickly because that was, it was very clear that we're going to need to get coverage very quickly. And so um, I used the technique of just, we just essentially had one lens on for a lot. Like the first pass around, we had a 35 on and then we came around the corner and we had a 75 on and we just kept moving the camera we're like we moved back for wides we moved in for close ups and we didn't reslate we didn't do setups there were s- 7 minute takes that <clears throat> i'm sure that i know that drove jake crazy but when you're shooting that fast you just have to go and i mean we used we didn't cut any scenes um and i mean i don't know how how long i mean i we probably shot a couple hours with the footage. I mean, not a lot. I mean, we did. You know, there's. I'm trying to think. I mean, it. I didn't. I don't feel like I overshot. I've definitely felt like I undershot. It was always more that I wish we had. Um. But probably, you know, an hour, probably two, three hours with the footage. I guess.
0: Wow, that's a lot. Which you know that I, I that makes sense.
1: And there were a lot of times also when I was sitting at the monitor and I would just yell to Chris or the first AC just to turn on the camera because it's such a photogenic set that we were on and we had great lights and we had tons of atmosphere in there and you know, people were walking by. And there was a lot of times when I was like, Chris, just go ahead. And he would walk the hallways after it was lit or before it was lit and you know, just get all these great details that you know were all over the piece. Um, so there was a lot of just Chris wandering the, wandering these corridors. Um, a lot of us shooting feet and through things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I don't know. I could, <clears throat> I could email you back and measure it at some point. <laughs> I don't know if I have the project still, but. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we didn't shoot a lot. I, mean, I wish we could have shot more, but we only we only had two days to shoot
0: it. One thing I did want to mention, which I, I can't believe I, I, I didn't mention earlier, which was one of the things that I loved about your film right away was the certainly as a cinematography, but the set design, the way the lights were integral into the walls of the set, which again, right away, I was like, well, this." I, I, the guy that I was sitting next to, a friend of mine named Bryant, I was like, this looks like, I, I told him right away, I was like, this looks like Ridley Scott shot this film. Like the, <laughs> the light was coming through everything. It was just beautiful. And I'm curious how that came about, uh, how that design happened, because oftentimes, as you very well know, when people go to light a film, Whatever film that might be, they have these exterior lights and they're lighting a film. Ridley Scott is, is, is known uh, throughout his career for lighting his films or having a DP light the sets naturally. So all the light they're using is coming, are coming from the sets. They're not exter- external lights. Not that they, did, that they didn't utilize external lights, but oftentimes those lights were built into the walls of the set, the floor of the set, or the ceiling. And I'm curious uh, how that happened with you.
1: They're these long bulbs that look like fluorescent bulbs. You control them with a Samsung iPad type thing, and you can set color temperature. You can set strobes. You can create, um, and literally, you pick from a color wheel, and that it sets that color. Um, and so, and they're very diverse. They stay charged for a long time, and you can fit them anywhere. And I had done a lot of research on it. We shot at a place called Laurel Canyon Stages. And I mean, everything is shot there. Like there was an episode of Firefly that was there. Um, there's you know, their their list of things that have been shot there is very long, and everybody shoots it differently. And even Noah, who shot <laughs> excuse me, Noah who shot a lo- uh, alien alone there. like, again, he lit it completely differently than us, and it looked like a different set. Um, but these bulbs allow you to move very quickly and put them anywhere. And most people who are in that stage light from above and we're like, well, we don't want to do that because we don't want to look like anything else. So we lit from below. Uh, and so that's where essentially all the lights that we had were underneath the walkway. And there were also these big um, lights uh, on the side that were pushing through. A-, a lot of times when we were like characters were backlit, there was just a very large light that was pushing through a lot of um, a lot of pieces of the ship and also moving back and forth to create um a lot of movement like the ship was actually you know working and doing something um and then we would almost always walk you know any of those walking scenes when we were close to somebody we had a one of those um bulbs you know in the hand of an AC or uh or a grip to make sure that you know the faces were lit so it was just a very it was kind of out of necessity, and it was also just kind of out of mood. We wanted to do something different, and we wanted it to be moody, and we wanted it to be dark, and we wanted the ship to look like it was dying. So that's kind of why we chose that way. And uh, I remember the the moment we finished the prelight, I was just like, "Oh!" We looked through the monitor, and we're like, "This is it." It was just amazing.
0: Oh yeah, that was it. All right, it was, <laughs> it was, it was again. Uh, I I I as an artist myself in many different forms, I really. Uh, love my love for the nostromo and that look um, is just it's something that uh, you just don't see, but really, truly, truly. I, I don't, uh, I'm really being honest here. I really thought it was beautiful. This, it was grand. Um, it's the kind of set that, uh, in terms of sci fi, that I just love. So, great job on that. Oh, thank you. That's really all that I have. Um, if anyone has not seen, Alien Harvest. It is out today. I really recommend that you do. It's one of my, it's my top favorite. And then I have a couple other, but they're all really amazing films. Uh, again, with the time that you guys had and, and just the constraints and then the personal lives that you guys all lead that you were able to create, you know, and then you are a father and, you know, a husband and all of those things going on and you have day jobs and, you know, jobs that you do just bravo to you guys for this. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely.
0: For more on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please visit perfectorganism.com. Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.